Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for another edition of the Drop Pass podcast. So thank you once again for being here. Last week, we started a two-part series where I'll be covering my favorite players to watch from the NHL circle. And today, we are going to continue on that same path. Same rules will apply to previous episode where I'll be naming three players from each team which separate themselves from the rest of the pack with brief explanations of course on why those guys are a step ahead of the others. The U20 World Championships are also going to be underway once the next episode is going to be released so expect to see some coverage from that event in our next episode. But since this episode's agenda is pretty straightforward and follows same principles to our previous iteration, we won't waste too much time chit-chatting and rather focus on delivery, which starts with the intro music. So grab a snack, fix a warm beverage of your preference, and get yourself ready for some holiday spirit. Without further ado, let's get go. Welcome aboard, buddy, and Merry Christmas. As I said, we are going to continue where we left off last time and the teams that we are going to deal with today will include teams from Montreal all the way to Anaheim. And since we went through the teams in a reverse alphabetical order last time, we are not going to move away from that strategy and continue our run through from my beloved Montreal Canadiens. And here the obvious number one choice cemented his spot at the top right from the moment he broke into the league and that guy is the undersized sniper. Cole Caulfield. If you are not aware of what he brings to the table, I have to tell you that you are sadly mistaken because, at least for me, he has become one of the more entertaining players to watch in the NHL due to his great skill set and the fact that many people didn't believe in his success on the next level due to his smaller frame. But he's already become one of the elite snipers on the next level and just like Jack Hughes, his elusiveness brings electricity to his game and their coach Martin St. Louis has been able to bring up his best tools which is also visible on his score sheet. He has all the necessary tools that are needed from a modern day offensive engine and pretty much all he needs is a guy that can dish him the puck like Nick Suzuki has done so far and the rest can be pretty much predicted so I've really enjoyed watching him play and see how he alongside the other young bucks grow in their system under their new management. The honorable mentions will go to another youngster, Kaden Gooley, and Caulfield's partner in crime previously mentioned Nick Suzuki. Gooley has really taken me away with his maturity and seems to be the next great two-way presence on their blue line for years to come. And although I saw the upside he could have on the next level during his junior days, he has surprised me in regards to his NHL readiness and how he's been able to eat a lot of minutes on their backline already in his rookie season. He has an NHL-ready frame, has underrated skating and puck handling ability, while his shutdown capability will be world-class in a couple of years once he's fully adjusted to the next level of hockey, and it goes without saying that I love the way he has thrown his body around already against the big boys. He's a true leader on every sense of the word and thus I wouldn't be surprised to see him wearing the A in a year or two once the front office starts to assemble its future leadership group for the franchise. But overall, extremely valuable asset for the team who is only going to grow his stock once few seasons have passed by. And when it comes to Suzuki, 
it should be pretty obvious at this point that the Golden Knights effed up when they dealt him away in the Tomas Tatar trade, and ever since that day, Suzuki has kept growing towards being one of the elite two-way centers of the modern NHL. He has extremely smooth hands, which tend to go unnoticed, his vision is elite, and he can sip the puck around like the best of them on the next level. Meanwhile, his defensive game is extremely mature for his age, and I would even go as far as say that he will win one or two Selkes in his career if that aspect keeps improving the way it's done thus far. Certainly people expect him to be the franchise number one center for years to come, and I wouldn't argue against that statement, especially if the chemistry between him and Caulfield stays as strong as it is currently. But is he a top of a player that can elevate the team to the next level is my real question, because they have hungry youngsters coming up their ranks who are eager to find spots on the next level, so while the C on his chest is a massive sign of respect and trust, it comes with certain expectations, so it will be interesting to see how far he's able to take the franchise before people start to question his captaincy and his role as their future number one center. But overall, of course, I keep a close eye on this team due to its meaning to me personally, and due to the rebuild, it's an interesting team to follow in that sense as well, so it shouldn't be surprising why you find these guys from here when looking at their current state. And the star stickers from Montreal will go to Arber Shekash and Juraj Slavkovsky for fairly obvious reasons. But then it is time to move across the border and head to Minneapolis, where we have our next team, the Minnesota Wild. In Mini, the obvious pick of course is going to be Kirill the Thrill, and I mean, who else would have gone with? Elite talent with all the offensive gifts needed to be one of the best players in the league with numbers to back that up. In my opinion, he's one of the best skaters comprehensively in the league, who has a deadly shot and next-level puck protection ability, so I think you could guess that he was going to be here, am I right? Alongside him, though, I'm going to have the upcomer Matt Boldy and defenseman Jonas Brodin. Brodin is undoubtedly one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league, to at least the analytics community, and has been one of the most underrated defensemen in the league for some time now, and therefore... Many have spoken out about the lack of appreciation for guys that are elite in that aspect of the game. After all, you have a trophy for best defensive forward, so why not implement a trophy which gives appreciation for guys like Brodeen? He's extremely well-rounded blue liner with great skating ability, and as a former defenseman, I can appreciate his game, since to me he's one of those guys who does all the small things like no other night in and night out, and is extremely competent in his own end, so I enjoy watching him and seeing him excel in these areas of the game. Meanwhile, Boldy has quickly become one of my newer favorites due to his blend of power and skill, where he isn't physically driven guy like this so-called new age power forwards, but one who can utilize his strength while stick handling through the traffic with ease. He has quickly carved out a spot in their top six due to his great numbers from his young NHL career, and if he gets to play alongside previously mentioned Kaprizov, those numbers should only keep increasing the further we go towards his prime years. In my opinion, he's still heavily underrated prospect who doesn't get the recognition that he probably deserves, but that might be due to the market he plays in, and the fact that Wild is known for their uninspiring rosters and lackluster success on the league-wide level, but I hope that it would change in the near future. 
Jared Spurgeon also earned some recognition since he belongs to the same category as Brodeen, where his comprehensive game is just on a whole nother level. And for a sixth round choice, he has carved out an impressive NHL career and thus is pretty high on my totem pole when it comes to two-way defenders in this league. Next on the board is going to be the Kings of LA and here the trio will be Kevin Fiala, Adrian Kempe and LeBron James. I'm just kidding, Sean Dursey will be the last man standing. Fiala deserves the most credentials due to his elite offensive skill set which features amazing edge work, soft hands, great passing skills and a deceptive shot that can surprise goaltenders from odd angles. What many people don't notice is also Fiala's ability to protect the puck and due to a great edge work, speed and amazing balance, he's able to maneuver past defenders with ease and create scoring chances from seemingly out of nothing, which makes him an intriguing player to watch when the Kings highlight the primetime schedules. That unfortunately doesn't happen too often, so more commonly you get to witness his skills from the highlight reels, but overall he creates excitement and lots of scoring chances when he's on the ice, so that is why he deserves his spot on top of the list when it comes to Los Angeles. Kempe possesses very similar skills to Fiala, where he's an excellent skater whose top and speed can take defenders by surprise, and when you add to that mix soft hands and lethal snapper, you get a winger that should be posting plus 50 point seasons consistently from the wing. Somehow though, that hasn't been the case until recently, as he posted his first plus 50 point season with the Kings during the previous campaign, and is on his way to repeat that if he stays healthy and is able to amp up his production by a small notch. But his shot is what really brings you to the edge of your seat, and when you see him bombing down the wing, you know that he's going to pick the top corner with his lethal wrist shot, so he's become one of the names that I watch carefully when they are battling against the best of the best in the West. And the last name on the board is going to be Sean Dursey, who I've talked about previously in this podcast, but to make things clear, let me phrase why he is an obvious pick for me for the third spot. His raw skill set has developed to a level that many saw prior to his draft, and despite worries about his defensive game, he has found his home on the next level as a smooth skating modern day puck moving defenseman. He has taken big strides in his development through the past three seasons and has really come far from the days in Owen Sound, so that has been one of the main factors which has made me follow him more than I would have guessed, and why he appears on this list ahead of many others. The sticker nominees from the Kings are going to be Brian Clark and Trevor Moore, and why these guys specifically? Well, Clark is going to make the list fairly soon as he gets more games under his belt in the bright light since I'm a big fan of his game, and Trevor Moore has become one of the less known heroes for me because of his tenacious speed driven playstyle, which could be seen already in Toronto, but which has only now blossomed into results in his new home in LA. And also congrats to him for signing his new 5x4.2 million deal. But those are the guys that I like to watch the most when it comes to the Kings, and next we will head to Florida and see which names will appear on the list from the Panther land. Well, once again, it should be fairly obvious who the number one guy on the list should be if you have paid any attention to my list so far. It will be my former teammate Eetu Luostarinen who's having a career year point-wise and is playing great hockey, so it's been delightful to see him earn more minutes on the top level and increase his point totals from the past years. 
He has thus far shined with his two-way game, and many have thought that he wouldn't become anything more than a reliable bottom-line defensive engine, but this year he has shattered those expectations and is slowly becoming real why he was drafted in the second round in 2017. He possesses undercover strength and set of mitts that may surprise some people, and while being a responsible two-way presence for the Panthers, his scoring ability in tight and in close to the blue paint brings extra value to his game and thus he has earned his credits in the Sunrise State. After him, we have another Finn, surprise surprise, Alexander Barkov, and still, I believe that he hasn't earned the recognition that he deserves on the league-wide level, despite the praise he gets from his fellow players. I mean, I have heard so many players praising his skills at an overall game that at this point, one could say that he's the second best player behind McJesus in the league, but unfortunately, for some reason, that isn't the case, and I will keep pumping Shasta's tires until he really makes his break to conversations which surround the league's top names. He is a unicorn whose mix of size and skill brings up memories from the days when Super Mario was dominating the big league with the pens, and in my opinion, earns every credit possible to be on top of the list. But for now, my boy has to stay up there until the cows learn to fly. Elite superstar, no ifs or buts about it. And the last name that I'm going to feature from the Panthers is going to be the older brother of the Ketchucks, and that is Matthew Ketchuk. I'm pretty sure that most of you are very familiar with this game, so I don't need to do a deep dive into what he brings to the table. But to briefly describe why he belongs alongside the previous two names, well, his agitating playstyle just brings another element to the game. And meanwhile, at times it frustrates you to watch what he does on the ice, and although they could do well without being down a man for a few minutes, he puts up points to even out the playing field, and this way is important player for the franchise, especially when the games start to become even tougher in the late spring, and where boys need to turn into men. So in my mind, he deserves a spot in the trio, while the remaining star stickers will go to Aaron Eggblad and Spencer Knight. Next we head back across the border to meet one of the less expected duos who really needs an introduction due to their low-end statuses. And if you fell for that one, you really should be ashamed of yourself, because the next team on the line is going to be the Edmonton Oilers. Can you guess who are the top dogs here? Yeah, pretty straightforward. Connor, Mac, I do whatever I want, is the main man, while Leon Dreisaitl comes close behind. Simple and effect. The third name on the list is going to be Darnell Nurse, and I can already hear the 9.25 complaints regarding his contract, but let me just make my case here, because I'm not going to argue with that point. It has to be admitted that he is nowhere near the level his contract might suggest, and is without questions one of the most overpaid players in the league, but that necessarily doesn't mean that he isn't entertaining to watch if you close your eyes from what he's currently making. Because he has good qualities in his game, and the Oils would be in a way worse situation without him, because if you look at their current backline and see what names appear on the board, you understand that he isn't that bad after all. He has solid offensive game and can put up decent numbers from the blue line and has this nasty physical edge in his game which makes players respect his presence when he's on the ice. 
but despite those attributes, his defensive game certainly has some holes in it which people tend to notice right away if he makes a mistake and reminds everyone how overpaid he is. But still, from this name list, he is on the third spot and notched the young blue liner Evan Bouchard to the Stardust group. There he will be joined by Evander Kane and when it comes to Bouchard, it has to be said that it's been alarming how his offensive numbers have declined from last year. While the defensive side of the puck still leaves many question his future upside. So if the Oils want to participate to the spring ball, he needs to step up his game one way or the other. Because the Oils won't survive with just one decent pairing on their blow line. But overall, I guess you could figure out that those guys most likely were going to represent the franchise on my list. So next we head to Detroit and see if the choices are going to be as black and white as they were for the Oilers. While they are not necessary as obvious, but certainly one could guess that the young phenoms, Sider and Raymond at least were going to make the list, and as the third man I'm going to throw in also their captain Dylan Larkin. Sider is to me the most intriguing player to watch, and the main reason for that is the maturity he possesses in his game, which was highlighted straight from the get-go when he broke into their first pairing last year. He's equipped with all necessary tools needed for a modern-day physical two-way defenseman who will carry their blue line for years to come. He's also a very well-balanced skater for his size, has smooth puck skills and tremendous passing ability and on top of all else, is a physical presence that can lay out guys who are not expecting contact and reverse hit guys that have him lined up like he showed multiple times last year. He's just an entertaining player to watch on all accounts, and although he's experiencing the sophomore slump currently, he should be able to overcome it and return back to his level sooner rather than later. Same goes with Raymond, who has only racked up 18 points through 31 contests, and is way behind his deadline from the previous campaign. But still, there shouldn't be too much to worry about concerning his future upside since the guy showed what he's already capable of, and that he can hang with the best of them in the bright lights. After all, he was drafted fourth overall in 2020 and already made waves in his plus one draft year in the NHL, so there shouldn't be mass panic about his upside and we should rather focus on enjoying his smooth offensive gifts. And the last guy, Dylan Larkin, should be pretty straightforward pick, because like I've said in the previous episode, speed kills yet again and this guy has the V12 engine, so each time he gets the puck in full stride, you can expect to see a scoring chance come out of that. And he has really taken the leadership role in Detroit, where he has stabilized his scoring numbers while being responsible defensively. So all the necessary tools are there for a franchise leader. Dominic Kubalik and Jakub Vrana will earn the last honors due to their great offensive skill sets. And lastly, it has to be pointed out that Vrana was finally able to make his comeback onto the NHL ice, and in two games has registered already two points, so... I believe that the Wings are going to keep up their momentum for the remainder of the regular season and battle away for the remaining spots in the postseason until the final few games. And as we make our way to Dallas, I gotta admit that picking out only three players ended up being harder than I first thought since they are one of the teams that I'm most intrigued about due to their mix of skill, speed, youth and experience. So I've enjoyed watching them so far this year and I'm even more invested in their second half of the season because that is when their core is really going to be measured for the postseason. 
But the names that will be highlighted on my list are going to be Miro Heiskanen, Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger. Meanwhile, players that were just left out from the board include Niels Lundqvist, Rope Hintz and Mason Marchment. As I mentioned previously, I've been a huge advocate of Lundqvist from his draft year and that's exactly why I've enjoyed following his path across the ocean. And that really isn't going to change. Meanwhile, Hints and Marchment are players that hold certain attributes such as speed, physicality and soft hands, which bring you to the edge of your seat, so it wasn't an easy choice to leave these guys off the list, but that's just how the cookie crumbles this time. Heiskanen though takes the top spot, and to me it is obvious why he is the top name from Dallas, due to his elite talent, which will eventually lead to a Norris trophy. And if you disagree, I would love to hear our arguments because the guy has stepped up offensively this year and is amongst the elite blue liners in the league defensively, so go ahead and tell me what's the reasoning behind your statement. He's one of the best skaters that I've had the privilege to witness on ice myself, and you could sense already in the juniors that he was going to have a long stay in the NHL with the way he was dominating games against older competition. Pure elite talent, not much else needs to be said. And same goes with the remaining names on the list as well, because Ottinger to me has been one of the elite names on the blue paint all the way from his days in BU, and thus I followed his path closely to the NHL from those days. Extremely talented netminder with pockets full of poise is one of my favorite netminders, and is going to take one or two Vesnas in his time if he keeps his level, and the stars keep competing for the big one during the spring seasons. And lastly, it goes without saying that Robertson has popped up to many people's radars quite recently, and there's no denying the fact that he has become one of the top players in the league. And I have to admit that I wasn't expecting him to reach these kinds of numbers, especially when it comes to goal scoring, but I've been delighted to see a somewhat surprising name on the top half of the scoring table, and from a team that wasn't necessarily expected to be this competitive, due to their tough cap situation, with names Ben Sagan and Sutter. And you might even add Ben Bishop's name in there as well, but that ended up being a blessing in disguise for them. And of course, it's not fun to see players' career coming to its end due to an injury. But for the Stars, it has alleviated cap space, which has eventually led them to being one of the top teams in the West for two years in a row now. But Robertson is an elite scorer in every sense of the imagination with complete offensive toolset, so a major steal for the Stars from the second round. Next on the board is going to be the Columbus Blue Jackets, and here the trio will consist of Jack Wierenski, Johnny Gaudreau, and Patrick Laine. So no surprises there whatsoever. Ken Johnson was extremely close to being part of that trio, but for now, he's the odd man out but in one or two years you can expect to see his name appear in this segment. Goudreau is the number one guy from this team and I think everyone knows what he brings to the table skill-wise and yet again this year, he has pretty much carried the offense by himself and is currently on pace to break the point per game average when the season is done. Extremely elusive offensive maestro who has the ability to find open teammates while possessing accurate shot that will beat goaltenders from tough angles, so... To me, there currently isn't anyone who could come close to nudging him off of his throne in Columbus. Patrick Laine's shot is just something that draws you in and thus is pretty much a home run regarding the trio 
while Wierenski, of course, is their main blue liner whose two-way game is underappreciated on a league-wide level and has undoubtedly one of the best wrist shots from the point, which adds an extra element to look out for when the Jackets are on TV. Unfortunately, his season is already overdue to an injury, and pretty much their entire season as a franchise is a write-off, so their focus is slowly starting to move towards the upcoming 2023 entry draft. And lastly, I want to point out Adam Boquist, who have been fairly high on, but currently, it seems as the injuries are really bothering his progression on the top level, so it will be interesting to see if he's ever able to find his true ceiling, if he's only able to play half a season each year. But we'll see, next on the board is going to be the Colorado Avalanche, where the trio should be pretty straightforward without too many surprises. Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, and Mikko Rantanen. Any arguments? Yeah, I pretty much thought so. There's just no denying the fact that these guys are likely the most entertaining trio in the entire league, so in my mind, they need little to no justification to be included on this listing. But just to add some taste in the mix as well, I'm going to give small stick taps to Alex Newhook and Bowen Byram because they belong to the next wave of their future top six and have skill to spare, so those guys will earn the credentials from the Mile High City. Then we head to Chicago, and honestly, it wasn't that easy to find names from the roster, which I really enjoy watching because they are just a bad bunch, and besides few guys on the team, they ain't that entertaining to watch overall. But I decided to go with names Kane, Murphy, and Lafferty. Kane is pretty self-explanatory because the guy has been on top of the league point and skill-wise for many, many years now, and most should be very familiar with this game, but when it comes to Lafferty and Murphy, I feel I need to justify those picks a bit more, so here goes. Lafferty caught my attention already while he was with the Pens before the trade, and after that, has only stood out even more with his tenacious physical playstyle, and therefore, I decided to go with him since I've been impressed by his forechecking ability and the energy which he brings onto the ice each time he jumps over the boards. Murphy, on the other hand, has been one of the guys who has been working in the shadows for quite a while now, but possesses tremendous defensive metrics given the team's current state, and in my opinion, is the most valuable asset on their blue line despite Seth Jones' presence. He blocks a lot of shots, defends the rush extremely well, and is an imposing figure who can throw his body around, so he was quite an easy choice for this spot, even though I wouldn't necessarily label him as an entertaining player to watch, but more so than many others who are currently wearing their logo. But those will be the guys from Chicago, and next we will head to North Carolina and see if more than two Finns will find their way to the list and break the current threshold. Well, unfortunately, only one ends up making the list, and that is going to be the top dog, Sebastian Aho. Criminously underrated player in this league, much like Shasha Barkov, has a lead offensive skill set with a subtle mix of responsible two-way games, so pretty much everything they could ask for from a former second-round choice. He's a natural-born playmaker equipped with underrated shots, so no wonder he spends time on the half-wall each time they have a man advantage during their games. He has a great set of mitts and deceptive speed blended in with good agility, so as you've learned through these two episodes, he could be called as a modern-day offensive unit by all accounts. One of the leaders of this team never seems to get rattled and plays above his size, so in my opinion is very deserving of a spot regarding the Canes. 
Behind him, we have a modern-day power forward by the name of Andrei Sveshnikov and playmaking maestro, who is currently blowing doors off their handles with his scoring, the Czech native Martin Najes. When it comes to Sveshnikov's game, I mean he has settled into NHL hockey straight from his draft due to a great frame and relentless play style, but while those attributes are the drivers in his game, his puck skills and shot can't go unnoticed because he pretty much excels in every aspect needed in the offensive zone. In addition to those, he isn't afraid to throw his weight around either, which can lead to scraps at times, so that also adds to his value, and I've enjoyed watching him ever since he made his debut with the Canes in 2018. And in regards to Natchez, you probably noticed that I've been quite high on this guy for a few years already, and pretty much have just been waiting for his major breakthrough, which seems to be happening this year, so that hasn't really surprised me, and more so, it has just been a huge relief for me knowing that I just haven't had blind belief in him, because he has started to answer the call and put up numbers on the scoreboard like I expected already years ago. He and Aho have many similarities in their game, where Natchez also possesses deceptive speed, which he utilizes to his advantage quite effectively. Meanwhile, his hands are straight up silky, and he can thread needles to his linemates, which seem almost impossible at times, so the skills have really been there, and the only thing missing has been the execution, but now that he's found it, we are going to witness what he's really capable of, and what he's possibly going to earn in his next contract in 2024. But extremely entertaining bunch to follow overall, and quite underrated to be honest, and to add few more names in the mix, I'm going to give the extra honors to Jacob Slavin, the Shutdown King, and their young Russian netminder Pyotr Kochetkov. Next on the board is going to be the Calgary Flames, so let's head there and see if any major surprises can be found from their trio. Well, one at least is most likely going to surprise some people, because my trio consists of Jonathan Huberdo, Nazem Kadri, and Nikita Zadorov. Kadri and Huberdo are pretty self-explanatory in my opinion, but I guess Zadorov's selection needs some justification, so we will get into that in just a moment. But the number one spot from Calgary is reserved for Hubie, despite his slow start in his new hometown, because the guy has been lights out through the past couple of years, and undoubtedly still is one of the best passers in the modern NHL. He has slowly started to increase his numbers, but knows himself that much more was expected, and I have no doubts about his ability to reach the point-per-game mark before the regular season is over. Kadri, on the other hand, has just been so consistent force in the NHL that I gotta give him the respect, despite some of his past antics, and especially what he was able to do in last year's playoffs was just incredibly impressive, so he will earn the other honorable mention from Calgary. He feeds in the traffic, is a great passer and has that nasty edge to his game, so he's just overall entertaining player to watch. Meanwhile, Zadorov is just a human wrecking ball, who obliterates guys, especially on the offensive blue line, and you've seen the highlights, so it's pretty self-explanatory why he's quite high on my list when it comes to defensemen. And he has also underrated speed plus above average box skills which often get overlooked so he isn't just a one-trick pony by any means. The star stickers will go to Swedes Elias Lindholm and Rasmus Andersson, but these will be the most entertaining guys for me to watch from Alberta. Next we head to Buffalo and it should be pretty obvious that due to his this year's real breakthrough, Tage Thompson will take the throne due to his goal-scoring ability and amazing set of mitts 
which have surprised many fans around the sport. A guy that is built like a brick house shouldn't possess as soft hands as he does, and the way he's been scoring this year has been mesmerizing by all accounts. He just causes problems for opposing defenders due to his big frame, and if you give him too much space, he will snipe one in from range, so as a defenseman, you pretty much have to pick if you want to get digged to the locker room or get blasted by your coach for not having a good cap control. So either way, it's going to be a losing situation if he takes you one-on-one. But overall, I've just been happy to see him finally blossom because the Blues most likely knew that if he panned out and finally learned to use his size hand-in-hand -hand with his great skill set, he would become extremely lethal offensive contributor, but since the development was delayed, they let him go and now we get to witness his greatness against the best of the best in the league. And after all, the Blues have a Stanley Cup in their back pocket, so it's not all gloom for the franchise either. The honorable mentions from Buffalo will go to blue liner Rasmus Dahlin and Thompson's partner in crime Alex Tuck. Tuck's game relies on puck protection and speed which complement Thompson's game nicely, and when you have two over 190cm pickup trucks running around the defensive zone, you know that you have nothing but trouble heading your way if they get the cycle going. He as well was underutilized in his previous home in Minnesota, so once he was traded to Buffalo I could see him taking the next step. And if I'm not wrong, I might have even mentioned that at some point last year. But overall, it's been a tremendous timing for the Sabres to see these two raising their levels at the same time. And also, the Young Bucks are quickly starting to challenge these guys for the ice time, so they need to keep their level and keep improving their game to get the franchise closer to the playoff conversation. And when it comes to Dalene, despite all the hate he has gotten through the past two seasons, I haven't lost my faith in him due to his undeniably high skill set, and not that often you can say that former first overall pick has become a total bust, so it's been good to see him start to really crank up the tempo on their blue line as well. Thus far, many have labeled him as a defensive liability, but this year that has changed quite drastically, and it shouldn't be a surprise if you listen to any of his interviews, where he's talked about his progress on the next level, and what the coaches have been praising through his young career. He has made mistakes and looked foolish at times, there's no denying that, but at the same time, he has made ridiculous plays that at times just haven't led to any measurable results, so in my opinion, his this year's output is going to be a huge F you to people who downplayed him, and the level is only going to be increasing from here on out, so you might want to start figuring out a new way of looking at him, because he's pretty soon going to be battling for the Norris, and I can guarantee you that. Jack Quinn and Dylan Cousins will earn their last honors, but this trio will most likely change once the young stars start to take their next steps and improve their numbers just like Thompson has done this year, so it's going to be interesting to see what the trio will look like in a year or two once we come back to this set topic. But those will be the guys representing one of the upcoming NHL contenders. And next, we are going to be shipping up to Boston. And few of you probably even got that pun. And here yet again, it should be pretty black and white, or black and gold, however you want to see it. Which players gather the most attention, and not only for me, but most of the NHL fanbase as a whole. Those names are going to be David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, and Charlie McAvoy. 
We're going to start with Pasternak, who takes the throne in B-Town due to his elite scoring ability and offensive gifts. Most of us are pretty familiar of what he brings to the table, slick hands, good skating and a rocket of a shot, so I think there's no need to go more in depth in those aspects because the guy is an absolute offensive unit and has been part of one of the NHL's most lethal first lines for years now, so it goes without saying that many people, me included, tend to enjoy watching this guy perform. Same goes with this line mate Marshawn, who has surely had his moments, but seemingly he has slowly walked away from that life and become more focused on the hockey itself and what he can bring to the table when it comes down to the success of their franchise. Underrated stick handler, who has very unorthodox but effective skill to evade defenders and keep the puck to himself and above all else, has been one of the most productive players through the past decade, so it should be obvious that he is an entertaining player to watch when the Bruins highlight the primetime games. Arguably one of the bigger steals of their franchise history. And lastly, we have their blue line leader, Charlie McAvoy, who is still criminally underrated player who should earn more credit than he's gotten thus far. He's become one of my absolute favorite blue liners to watch due to his elite two-way game and physical nature, so if you haven't paid any attention to him, I would strongly suggest you to do so, because I'm going on a limb and say that he is one of those names that is going to get his name engraved to the Norris Trophy in the future, because the guy is elite on every aspect of the modern NHL. Check the stats and analytics if you don't believe me. And when it comes to sticker squad, I'm going to throw in also names Connor Clifton and Trent Frederick because of their entertaining physical playstyles. Then we move to the penultimate team of this week's episode, the Arizona Coyotes. And despite them having arguably one of the least enthusiastic rosters name-wise, I was able to pretty easily pick out three players from their roster that I enjoy watching. Those are Clayton Keller, Jacob Chikrin, and Matthias Macelli. But Clayton Keller ends up being my favorite player to watch from the Yacht squad, simply due to his great offensive skill set and the young Patrick Kane-esque playstyle. He has extremely smooth hands and is able to dish the puck as well as finish plays, and thus has been their main offensive catalyst for years now in a dry desert storm. I know that there is a reason why people tend to avoid watching them play, but if I would only focus on individual players, Keller certainly is a guy that I would concentrate on, because when he has the puck on his tape, you can't wait just to see what he's able to do with it, because he's had to come up with ways to make his mark on a struggling team for a few years now, with very little assistance from his linemates, so... That's why he stands out whenever the Yotes are on TV. Chikrin is a lot like Keller in a sense that he's had to take responsibility on their blue line to carry most of the load due to an inferior backlines of the past. And even though Kostisvir has relieved some of the pressure, he still stands out on their blue line due to his cohesive two-way game and especially offensive skills. It's no coincidence that the Yotes are looking for a big return for his services because the fact of the matter is that just two seasons ago, the guy posted 41 points in 56 games for a team that downright sucked. And now that he's back on their lineup, has registered 13 points in 15 games, so to me he's extremely valuable asset for them currently, and will be for the team that acquires him before the deadline, even despite all the criticism he has gotten through the past few years. 
And when it comes to Macelli, the Keller 2.0 has amazed me this year with his offensive talents, because although I knew his strengths due to him playing in Finland before heading across the ocean, I wasn't expecting them to develop with this kind of pace to a such high level. I've been extremely glad to see him succeed, and what has also stood out to me has been the fact that he has developed into a more of a playmaker on the next level, since I clearly remember him trying to snipe the puck under the crossbar every chance he got, but now his approach is much more poised and he's looking for possible scoring chances within his immediate vicinity. So all in all the Yotes have been surprisingly entertaining team to watch this year despite their current record, and since they are promoting more young players to their roster it brings another element to their game, and thus might even catch few more eyes because of their future top names that are flying on the ice for the Yote pack. And then we arrive to the last team of this favorite run through the Anaheim Ducks, and despite them being the worst team in the NHL currently record-wise, they still possess few guys that are entertaining players to watch, and for me the names are Trevor Zegris, Troy Terry, and Mason McTavish. But Toronto and Klingberg will be the guys outside looking in. But Zegers is the top dog and it should be pretty obvious why that is because the guy is just a straight up wizard with the puck and is just an entertaining player to watch as a whole, whether it is on the ice or even off the ice. One of the easiest picks of this episode, no doubt. And if you follow this show for a long time now, you know how high I've been on Troy Terry. And now that he's really established himself as a productive top 6 option on the NHL level, I don't have to second guess my intuition and rather focus on what he's able to do for the young duck squad on the ice. He has tremendous offensive toolkit which includes soft hands, accurate shot and great offensive IQ, but he's also more than capable in the defensive zone, so that brings up his points on an individual level even more. And I believe that once the Ducks start to take the next steps towards the playoffs, we will see even bigger results from him, and wouldn't be surprised if he ended up carrying the A at some point for the team. And lastly, when it comes to McTavish, I know that he might be one of the more unknown names on the list, but as a guy who follows the junior levels to a certain extent, I haven't been surprised by his results from his rookie campaign, and even expect much greater numbers from his sophomore season due to his mature frame and playstyle. He has a heck of a shot which unfortunately has been suppressed this season for some reason, and his power forward-esque frame creates problems for defenders in the cycle, so once he adds few more kilos to his body and really establishes his presence in front of the net, we are going to see his numbers climb and see him becoming one of the top players of the 2021 draft class, because the guy has also underrated hands which he will be utilizing in close quarters. But he will be the last name on my board and next we are going to conclude all my picks from this episode for some clarity. So for Montreal the top name for me is Cole Caulfield with Nick Suzuki and Kaden Gulli following him. Mini's top dog is undoubtedly Kirill Kaprizov, while the honorable mentions go to Jonas Brodin and Matt Boldy. LA's top name ends up being Kevin Fiala above Adrian Kempe and Sean Dursey. Florida's main guy ends up being my former teammate Edu Luostarinen alongside fellow countryman Alexander Barkov and Matthew Ketchuk. Edmonton's duo of McDavid and Drysaddle is fairly obvious, accompanied by defenseman Darnell Nurse. Detroit's trio consists of top guy Moritz Sider plus Lucas Raymond and Dylan Larkin. Star's top name ends up being Miro Heiskanen partner up with 
Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger. Columbus's trio is highlighted by Johnny Hockey plus Patrick Laine and Jack Wierenski. Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon and Mikko Rantanen is the most obvious trio out of Colorado. Patrick Kane highlights the Blackhawks squad alongside Connor Murphy and Sham Lafferty. Carolina's main man is Finn Sebastian Aho, supported by Andrei Svechnikov and Martin Nages. Calgary's trio includes top names Jonathan Huberdeau, Nazem Kadri and Nikita Zadorov. Tate Thompson reps the Sabres alongside Rasmus Dahlin and Alex Tuck. David Pasternak is the main man from Boston, while Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy follow him close behind. Clayton Keller is the top coyote, grouped up with Matthias Macielli and Jacob Chikrin. And from the Anaheim Ducks, the trio is going to be Trevor Zegris as one of the league's most entertaining players to watch, plus Troy Terry and the rookie Mason McTavish. So those will be the remaining players that I enjoy watching on regular basis, and I've pretty much covered each individual with their main eye-catching attributes, so if you skip till the end to find out which players made the list, go back and see why these names represent their respective teams. Once again, let me know your picks because I know that you have nothing better to do during the holidays. And that's a joke because I can name handful of other things to do rather than to listen to me talking about the NHL. But if you don't, feel free to post your list down my DMs. Next time we're going to take a glance at the ongoing U20 World Championships which will start in a few days. So remember to enjoy those games while you are stuffing yourself with chocolate and other Christmas treats. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that I brought you some entertainment for the holidays and wish that you can have a peaceful and pleasant Christmas overall. Remember to spend time with your loved ones, or if you can't, don't forget to let them know what they mean to you. And most of all, remember to stop for a moment and just enjoy. Have a beautiful and peaceful Christmas. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.